Hello and welcome to the Helping Hand podcast. My name's Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Hello, today I'm talking to Jenny Amir. Jenny is a cognitive hypnotherapist and an NLP for kids practitioner who has been helping children and parents throughout London and Hertfordshire for over 15 years. Jenny has been providing her Creating Positive Change Therapy sessions online for the past year. Hi Jenny and thank you very much for coming to talk to us. Would you like to start by explaining what cognitive hypnotherapy is? So cognitive hypnotherapy is a very unique and very um, effective blend of cognitive behavioural therapy, positive psychology, NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, and um, hypnotherapy. And the the wonderful combination of those, uh, they're all solution-focused therapies. Uh, They're very modern and they're even science-based, evidence-based therapies. Um, And the unique blend of those uh, particular uh, therapeutic approaches provides um, a very effective and beautiful therapy um, that allows people to get to the root of their problems in an amazingly short amount of time. Um, Like people will probably think that it takes weeks and weeks, months and months, even years to get to the bottom of some psychological issues or um, mental health issues. And it really doesn't have to be that way. And the beauty of working with hypnotherapy and even NLP um, which is again your linguistic programming is that it works with both the conscious mind and the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind um, and the the reason why that's so important is because what most people will probably not be aware of is that we're actually kind of controlled by um, our unconscious mind about 90 percent of the time that we're awake which is a staggering amount of time because people will assume that they're working with their conscious mind and they're in control of their choices and in control of their decisions and their actions. But actually 90% of the time, uh, impulses, the, the, um, the emotions that are triggered or the emotions that we feel, the decisions that we make are actually prompted by our unconscious mind 90% of the time. So it follows that if 90% of the time that we're awake, it's actually the unconscious mind that is much more in control than we appreciate. It follows that if we want to change a pattern of behavior or change a way that we're feeling or or being, um, simply working with the conscious mind is not going to necessarily be the most effective way of creating long lasting um, positive change because the root of all those patterns are held in our unconscious mind. And so we need to work with that area of our brain and our mind in order to create lasting positive change. And that's the beauty of working with hypnotherapy and NLP um, because we're addressing that in, in the area of the brain, in the part of the mind, where it's going to make the biggest difference and as quickly as possible. So do does you, that make sense? Absolutely. Do you combine both together or do you do it's a blend, both as yeah. part of a programme? 
Well, with with adults, I will tend to do um, cognitive hypnotherapy. But as I say, cognitive hypnotherapy uh, involves a lot of NLP. It's, it's blended in with a lot of the techniques that I use, the approaches that I use, even the questions that I use. Um, they're, they're very much blended in, if you like. So it's hard to separate the two because the way that I was taught, I was taught um, by Trevor Sylvester, who was the founder of cognitive hypnotherapy um, in the UK. And he founded the Quest Institute, uh, which its motto when I trained was exploring the space between science, medicine, and magic, which <laughs> I really it love that because science, yeah. yeah, science doesn't have all the answers as I think we will probably appreciate. Um, and uh, and even our Western medicine doesn't hold all the answers, but there's a space in between that where mind, body, spirit techniques can come in, or mind, body, health. Um, factors are are relevant and it's important to not disregard that um, in so much of our when it comes to our well-being and health so um yeah so when you say are they separate they're not really they're very much all part of the the work that I do and there are elements of CBT elements of positive psychology elements of NLP as I mentioned and they all contribute towards this um therapeutic approach called cognitive hypnotherapy so I use that mainly for adults but as I say it's it involves several different solution focused therapies within that Um, and with children um, I use a little bit of that when it's necessary but more often I use more NLP for kids because NLP in itself is um, it's a very it's a very dynamic therapy are you aware of NLP at all I have heard of it but I'm sure some of our listeners won't have any idea about it so if you can explain it that would be great okay well it was founded in if if I remember correctly I think it was founded or sort of um yeah created in the 1970s on the back of cognitive therapy okay so it was founded on from the roots of cognitive behavioral therapy um, when somebody under, you know, kind of came to the understanding that the language that we use, the way that we use our language, has a, a physical effect on um, our being, basically. And language holds a lot of power and it can affect our neurology, basically, how the thoughts that we think affect how we feel. And that's also where CBT can come in. You know, how we think affects how we feel, how we feel affects what we do okay it'll affect the actions that we take it'll affect the choices that we make and quite often it can be a bit of a chicken and egg situation which comes first is it the thoughts or is it the feelings but they impact on each other so sometimes the feelings will come first as a result of beliefs that are being held so we can often hold the limiting beliefs about ourselves or about the world around us. Um, and that can produce feelings and thoughts um, as a result of those beliefs. So they all kind of affect each other. They all have an impact. So with children, um, it's a really helpful technique, to, uh, a really helpful therapy to use because it's quite playful in its way. It can be made very child-friendly and, you know, therapy doesn't always have to be serious. 
um, and it can be fun. And the crucial thing working with children is that they need, A, they need to want to be helped. Yeah. Um, so the kind of therapy that I do, it does involve their participation in it. Um, you know, I'll be getting them to think about certain things or imagine things or visualize or whatever. So I do need their participation in it. Um, if it's not just a case of them sitting there and nodding and saying, yes, yes, no, no, because that won't work. So as long as I have the child's um, agreement and willingness to work and to, you know, being open to, to creating a change within them, which usually they are once they understand what's possible, um, it can be fun. It can be something. And especially when I tell children that actually the, the tools that they're learning, because I'll, I'll teach them tools that they will be able to have and use always it's not just something that they will be able to use in the consulting room or in the clinic or online where they're talking to me there are tools and techniques that they can apply wherever they are and whenever they need so you know the beauty of that is that very quickly they begin to kind of go oh that made me feel like this so instantly the beauty of NLP for kids is that it's helping children to a gain a better understanding of themselves b understanding that how they might be feeling in in a particular moment isn't necessarily you know who they are it, and that they can take control over that so if there's a way that they're feeling that they don't like or that's unhelpful it's really useful to, for them to be able to Um, learn a technique that shows them how they can switch from a feeling of being really unconfident or shy to suddenly feeling okay within themselves and feeling sort of like they're as good as anyone else you know when they experience that emotional shift that's that's pretty you know that's a game changer um, really so I I really love doing that. I'm quite passionate about helping children to feel better about themselves because it's such a crucial part of of life. And as you'll know, uh, childhood years are the formative years for us as adults, aren't they? So giving the children the tools that they can then apply for themselves, whether they're children or adults, um, is, is really lovely. And like I say, the children themselves, once they know that they're learning things that even a lot of adults don't know about <laughs> that kind of helps them to go oh okay <laughs> I can do this you know it's good. yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's quite empowering um, yeah. your enthusiasm comes over when you're talking about it it's making me oh wonder. does it <laughs> can you just oh, thank you what a treatment or a program looks like I know they'll all be different but you know how many yeah. visits what is it how long is a visit how regular would visits so, be that kind of thing sure so I tend to work with children from the age of 10 upwards um I will usually have a good chat with one of the parents over the phone um, before we book anything in um and the reason for that is so I get a clearer idea of the picture that that we're dealing with um when it started you know when the issue started Um, when it happens when it doesn't happen how are they and also it can be helpful to talk to parents because sometimes very often when there's an issue with the child the the parent also needs support it can be helpful for the parents to have somebody to talk things through with Um, and occasionally 
you know, as I think we you mentioned earlier, sometimes when a child has an issue, it could even be that they've picked it up in some unconscious way, subliminal way, from an anxiety or something that they've seen either with a parent or a sibling or a teacher or a friend. So they can pick up things from the people around them, ways of behaving that can sometimes take hold. But um, so initially I'll have a good chat with the parent to see what's happening with the child. And then um, my child sessions are usually just an hour, um, unless they're older teenagers, in which case sometimes they can benefit from being a bit a bit longer because we can work in a slightly more um, adult way as well. Um, but generally the child sessions are up to an hour and I will literally just chat to the child, make them feel at ease within, you know, the room or the online and let them know that, you know, we're just two human beings having a chat and we're just going to have a chat to see how, you know, what can what can we do and see if there's anything that we can come across that might be helpful for them today that, that could help them to feel better about a particular aspect of their life. Um, and so in, if I can, I'll get the child to explain to me what it is that they'd like help with. Sometimes I'll say, you know, if you could be different in some way, how would you choose to be different? And have them explain it to me. And then I'll teach them some tools, depending on what it is they say. I'll explain a little bit about how the thoughts affect the feelings, which affect the body, etc., and how they can begin to take control over certain things and give them some examples um, of instances where they can do that and, sh and make, you know, help them to do it for themselves and they can see the difference. And then teach them a few, you know, quite magical techniques, actually, that, that really begin to shift things around for them. And um, I'll tell you something, actually. There was a child that I worked with who, who was um, having problems at school. He was quite disruptive and um, he was kind of on his last warnings with um, the Good school dear. head teacher, etc. And, you know, the mother had come to me and said, please, can you do something? He's just very hyper. He's quite disruptive, etc. And I did one session with him. And I did this technique which showed him how he can change his state, his emotional state, from an unhelpful state to a, a helpful state, so negative to positive. And he was like the dream, <laughs> the dream child client. He was text. It was beautiful to see how well he embraced this technique and how beautifully it affected him. And he felt calm. He said he felt calm within. He connected to himself. He knew that he was okay. You know, massive shift in just one. You know, less than even one session. So he went off, and his mum rang me and said, "Oh my goodness! Even in the space of a couple of days, the teachers have all noticed the difference That's in amazing. his. You know, he's yeah. So he came back for the second session." And during the second session, I, I, so I said to him, is there anything else you'd like help with? And he said, well, um, I'm not very good at reading. Um, and then the mother explained, well, they've said that he's dyslexic. And so I said, oh, OK. And so I kind of thought, well, I'm just going to try something here because that technique worked so well on him, helping him to shift from this negative or unhelpful emotional state into a positive state. I thought, right, let's recreate that. That's that most positive, helpful state that he can be in. 
and he did that. And I looked around the the, uh, the clinic room <laughs> to, for some, to give him something to, to try to read. Now, I didn't have anything that was kind of child-friendly. The only thing that was in the room was a, um, a press release about EEC new regulations about herbal medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, it was full of jargon, full of, you know, long words, da-da-da-da-da. And I literally kind of went, well, this is the only thing I can give him. So I handed it to his mum. I said, can you just pick out a couple of sentences that you think he might be able to read? So she, you know, pinpointed a couple, which were about a third of the way down the page. And so we gave it to him and I said, right, get into your nice, into your positive state, your strong state, etc. And he did that. And I gave him this press release to read. And, you know, he read those sentences and then he carried on reading uh-huh. and he carried on reading. And he carried on reading and he stumbled over one word and he asked for help with one word and he carried on. He read the rest of the press release as if he was a newsreader. <laughs> I'm looking at the mum going, um, sorry, where, you know, where's the problem here? I'm not seeing. Pro-. And her face was a picture, complete picture. It was actually like a cross between shock and horror and amazement because she couldn't understand that her son was doing this. And um literally from that day he he learned that he could because the the problem being that what we tell children and what children are told all the meanings that they can take from their experiences if they take a negative meaning from the events around them they can often build a kind of negative belief about themselves or their abilities and at some level possibly because he was quite disruptive or maybe hyperactive or whatever People had thought he was dyslexic. Obviously, this I'm not talking about all children. This, I'm not saying that this applies to everybody. Of course, there is <laughs> dyslexia, of course. I'm not suggesting that by any means. But in this particular case, what he needed was to know that he could do it. Yeah. To okay. know that he was okay in himself and to trust himself. And, and you know, you're basically creating the most positive optimum conditions for that child to to be who they to be their best basically and when we helped to create that there he was and it was astonishing I've actually got that as a testimonial on my website actually so I'm allowed to (laughs) to talk about that but um, I wouldn't normally otherwise but uh, you know it was um, it was quite astonishing but that's a lovely example of how children's not just children for adults too we can all hold beliefs about ourselves that are limiting or unhelpful whether it's about ourselves whether it's about our abilities or the world around us you've given this example of this young lad but how many visits generally would you have well that's what I'm saying is that really as long as the child is open to it you don't need that many sessions it can just you know on average I'd say about three if the parents Um, have the sessions yeah, depending on the child, at the age of the child, and if the child is, you know, particularly shy, unconfident at the beginning, it can definitely be helpful to have the parent there um, and sit in. If the parent wants to be there, they can, but depending on the age of the child, depending on the issue, it can be more helpful sometimes to have a one-to-one chat where I can kind of get on a level with them. You know, sometimes it could be that they don't want to say things that might upset mummy or daddy or you know lots of things can come in and you know what so many children today are very sensitive 
you know, we're getting a lot of really sensitive kids coming through. They pick up on other people's emotions and other people's needs. And, you know, that's hard as well. So if, if sometimes if they've got a parent in with them, it might restrict them from saying perhaps it's something that they might want to say or need to say or share. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with parents sitting in if, if they if they want to, especially maybe for the first session. But ideally, if we can, it would be better to work one to one if possible. So, Denny, I'm sure the answer to this is everybody should come and see you. But if I'm a parent <laughs> sitting at home and I've yeah. got a problem, what particular <laughs> symptoms or behaviours that I'm seeing would get me coming to you? So it can be anything. I mean, it, with children, because they obviously they're not developed fully, um, even adults can struggle with these issues. So especially for a child, it can be, you know, very disconcerting to experience negative emotions within themselves, depending on what the environment is, depending what if there's been changes in the family or changes in uh, school or health or anything like that. They can all have an impact um, on a child and it, you know, it could manifest in terms of low self-confidence or anxiety, um, excessive worrying or doubting themselves, doubting their ability, feeling that they're not good enough, feeling that they're not going to be able to do what other people are able to do. Um, and sometimes when those feelings can get a bit out of hand, they can often lead to kind of um, either disruptive behaviour or or just very anxious behaviour, basically. You know, what you don't want is for that those feelings to fester for too long without being able to express them or, or get to the bottom of them. Because, you know, it, it produces... Um, because children aren't familiar and aren't able to understand necessarily what's going on within them, um, it can often produce like this kind of a conflict within them, a, a conflict of emotions because they can't understand what's going on. So they can often act up. So often if you've got children um, who are misbehaving a lot, you know, it's important to see, well, why have they suddenly started doing that? Or why, why do they always do that? <laughs> why are they always so naughty, uh, you know, or never wanting to listen or whatever. And it can be helpful just to, help them to get to a place where they can feel calm feel accepted feel that they're able to speak up about maybe what it is that they think about themselves or think about what other people might be thinking of them so you know it can be various things and even if it's if they notice a change in their child so previously the child was you know calm and happy and then suddenly they become quite troubled or not wanting to talk or feeling reclusive or anxious any kind of change, really, I would say, in their pattern can be worth looking into. Yeah. Can I ask you how you got into this in the beginning, Jenny? Yeah, I. So going back to my childhood, I had a kind of I grew up in quite a difficult household, kind of Asian family. Um, father was a little bit difficult. <laughs> and I also had health issues, which um, kind of held me back at school especially when I was doing my ONA levels uh, that I had quite acute Ill illnesses at the time and when I left school I went to work in hospitals because I wanted to help people I always knew that I, perhaps my you know experience of childhood illnesses I think gave me 
a kind of an insight and caring towards other people in similar situations so when I left school I went to work in hospitals I did medical secretarial work initially and then I went traveling and I went to Australia and I got in touch with all the holistic medicine the the complementary therapies that were out there and I came home came back completely you know eyes wide open about all things to do with medical um, alternative complementary etc and I wanted to explore that so I did I spent quite a lot of time I went to I carried on working but I went to work in media and while I was working in media I did a lot of studying of alternative therapies I did a bit of homeopathy a bit of shiatsu massage a little bit of acupuncture just workshops and you know week training or a few months training or whatever but I just was very interested in the holistic aspect of healing and health and well-being and then when I got to towards 40 (laughs) I decided to change my uh, I took voluntary redundancy and I retrained as as a cognitive hypnotherapist because I knew that was always where my passion was Um, and I just I love to be able to help people feel more hopeful about their situation more empowered to know that they have got the means within them to do more than anyone could ever imagine and and to never really allow you know I've had personal experience of the medical profession telling me that certain aspects of my health there wasn't anything that could be done and through my own exploration my own practices I've uh, healed through you know mind body therapies um, and so I know what's possible and I like I'd like everybody to know about that and so much of it starts with our mindset positive yeah. mindset is kind of crucial really to all of our experiences um, and so getting getting that right or, or helping to change your mindset to a more helpful mindset is pretty crucial for everybody I'd say and it's a game changer really so yeah that's why I got into it (laughs) that's absolutely fascinating thank you for sharing that with us if people want to get a hold of you how do they go about doing that so I have a website um which is uh, hypnotherapy to help you.co.uk and on that website there is a, a section for child therapy there's a page there Um, So they can contact me through the website. I also have a phone number, um, which is on the website. And uh, they can contact me either by phone or email. And I'll be very happy to have a chat with anybody who wants to get in touch. I know because of um, the COVID restrictions, a lot of people have moved to working online. So do people need to come to you or can you deal with people online? We can do everything online. And that's the beauty of, of the work that I do as well, because, yeah, it's all it all can be done online. So that's Makes good. It accessible to everybody all over the yes. place. So, Jenny, Absolutely. thank you so much for talking. Thanks for talking to me. It's oh, been... really... <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk. Thank you.